the legal department touches on every other function, every business unit, every subsidiary, every aspect comes to the legal department at some point, and the legal department contributes something to them. So if you are able to make the legal department's agreement review process faster, you are improving the cycle time for agreements, which for most companies means that you're going to be generating revenue faster. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how Ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Modern Business Operations. I'm your host, Seth Collar, and I'm here today with Jeff Cruz, who's the founder and director of Key Legal Operations Consulting. Jeff, I want to start, just introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about you know who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Seth, thanks, and thanks for having me on. You don't know this because I've never mentioned it to you, but I hear your voice quite a bit when I go on walks in the neighborhood because I love listening to the Modern Business Operations podcast. But yeah, I am a lawyer, but the way I put it is I don't lawyer anymore. Classically trained as a lawyer, but I don't lawyer anymore because I'm in legal operations. But I was one of the most fortunate lawyers in the country because I got to go to work for the law firm that I identified when I was in college as a law firm that I wanted to work for. And I got to work there for 11 years and then got to go in-house with my favorite client. It was a medical device manufacturer and their motto for the employees was that they would come to work to save and improve lives every day. And representing them, I got to know a lot of the engineers and folks in regulatory. And thought, this is a wonderful company, would love to work for them. Unfortunately, they faced a crisis. And it was at the same time that the guy who was our in-house client at the time was leaving the company. And so they needed someone to step in. And I was fortunate enough to be selected from the law firm to be seconded there. And then I got offered the position and I spent 10 years working at this company, managing litigation, but also being the lawyer head of legal operations. We had other folks who were legal professionals who were not lawyers who also handle legal operations and we work together on projects. And because this was a medical device company, the lifeblood was continuous process improvement. Just like with every iPhone or Pixel or any other kind of smart device, every generation had to be better than the last with new features, longer batteries and everything. And that permeated the entire environment and in including permeating all the way to the legal department, if you can believe that, on um, the concept, the idea of continuous process improvement within a legal department. And that got into my blood. And after I left that company, Boston Scientific Corporation, I went back to the practice of law, only to realize that the 10 years Boston Scientific had changed my entire being from wanting to practice law to wanting to improve the practice of law, wanting to help lawyers and other legal professionals find better ways to do things. And I read recently the Axiom survey of in-house counsel that reported that 70% of in-house counsel are unhappy with their jobs to the point where they want to be looking for jobs. 20% are actively looking, 90% or up to 90% are unhappy in some way. And so... I started Key Legal Operations Consulting, or it's, you know, its current version, to try to help folks like what they're doing. 
because they went into the legal practice. They went into law or being a legal professional for a reason. And now they're unhappy. And I want to find ways to help them operate better and be happier, have more time. And so that that's what led me. I've just been very fortunate in my career to love what I do. That's great. Well, and kind of to segue then, I, I want to start by talking about some of your efforts around templatizing certain legal tasks. And that was your term, you know, before there was this glut of automation tools we have now, what were you doing and when was this? Well, I went to Boston Scientific in 2005 and by 2006, 2007, I repeating the same thing over and over again. And I was on a panel during the pandemic, a, a virtual panel with a CFO, Marilyn Abney, who said, you know, if you have to do the same process more than three times, then automate it. Well, back then, it wasn't quite so easy, but we were doing the exact same thing, reviewing the exact same documents, the same submissions. And it started with regulatory filings because I was in charge of reviewing the regulatory filings before we sent them off to the FDA or to the EU. And I, I was spending so much time reviewing the exact same thing over and over again. I'm like, what if we made this consistent across the board and that the only time humans had to review it was if something changed? And then there would be a, a, you know something alerting us that this had changed and there would be a justification for why it changed. And because in law school, you are taught to extrapolate from one situation or one case to other cases to your fact pattern, I realized, well, wait, this could also be extrapolated to non-disclosure agreements, to clinical trial agreements, to other things that people within the legal department, not me, but other people had to keep doing over and over again. And it was just eating up a lot of their time. So we didn't have the automation tools that I look at now and I go, oh, I really wish we had that then. But we had the right idea of, okay, let's find ways to save some time, to make this more efficient, to move forward, because ultimately the goal for the legal department is to help the business move forward. And so that's what we did. With, well, and, and, and yes, I used the word templatized it. And now people would look at that and go, oh, that's so Microsoft Word or Word Perfect or some other... Now you can just, you know, do a Microsoft form for it or, you know, any other specific solution that automates these things. And you put in a few words and things and bam, the document comes out instantly. And so now it's amazing. And I love the direction everything is going because it's reducing that repetitive time that legal professionals have to spend reviewing things or filling in information repeatedly. Yeah, well, it's funny because, you know, I'm of an age where, you know, I think many of us are, you say 2006, 2007, and, you know, it doesn't sound like a long time ago, but that was 15 or 16 years ago. It was kind of a long time ago in tech years. We've come a long way. It was, you know, before the iPhone came out, when we started down that journey. And it, I can't even imagine a time before the iPhone anymore, really. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I, I don't remember how I used to get around in the world when I didn't have a map on my phone and the ability to call anyone anytime, <laughs> anywhere. It's amazing how that changes so quickly. But it, it was, you know, it was 15 years ago, 16 years ago. 
It was. And I recently had another legal operations professional talk to a legal team about, you know, do the best with what you've got. And that's what we were doing, doing the best with what we had at the time. Now, you know, I would imagine that they have automated tools that, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. And if you, for instance, if it's the same company, same vendor, then all of it spits out automatically anyway, because those tools are available now. And it saves the attorneys and the, the other legal professionals in the legal department the time from doing those repetitive tasks so that they can spend more time on mission critical tasks or mission important tasks. Yeah. Well, and so, right. So we've arrived at this sort of this new place with the technology, but what has to come along with that is, is a mindset shift, right? So I, I think a lot of your perspective as a consultant has to do with helping these legal professionals reframe their understanding of themselves and their roles within the businesses. So kind of where we are now, what are some of the big bullet points that you want lawyers to know? Well, so the first thing is that the legal department is part of the business. And Connie Britton, who used to be with Clock and and, and now is running things, has started a new program called Running Legal Like a Business. And What I want lawyers to think about is running legal as part of the business. They are part of the business, then they are there to help fulfill the mission. Now, a lot of times lawyers think of themselves as, I'm here to mitigate risk and minimize exposure and maximize compliance. And they forget the rest of that. The rest of that, that, that phrase is, that they need to maximize mission accomplished, whatever the mission of the company is. And so back when I was at Boston Scientific, the mission was to help patients, to help save and improve patient lives. And it was a wonderful mission. Every company has a wonderful mission. And the lawyers within the legal department need to be thinking, that is what I am here to do. I'm not here just to review a contract or just to manage a lawsuit. It's What ways are you contributing to the overall mission of the business? And so when I come in and I do a consulting project or work with a company, I'm trying to make sure that the lawyers understand their overall role. That's number one. Number two, they also have to understand that the legal department shouldn't be considered special and apart from the rest of legal. Now, this is a hard lesson that I had to learn when I was in-house, because I specifically went to a, a meeting with the chief financial officer and other chief executives within the company, including the general counsel, and I made a pitch that what I was managing, which was litigation, tens of millions of dollars of litigation, should be accepted out of corporate policy, certain aspects of corporate policy. And I came with, because I had to fly from the Midwest to headquarters in Natick, Massachusetts, And I came with points and arguments. And as I made my arguments, the CFO shot them down one by one. And now being a lawyer, you never, you know, give up your argument and admit that you were wrong at the time. But I then went to Logan Airport, sat at the airport for my flight, then got on my plane and flew back to Minnesota where my office was. And somewhere in that time frame, sitting at the airport or flying back, I realized, you know what? He's absolutely right. Litigation isn't any more special. We should follow these rules. And that was the beginning of a a new journey for me, a journey toward, okay, so 
fully adopting this continuous process improvement, fully adopting the how do we fit within the business to make sure that legal is meeting those business goals. And in the end, my team, I'm really proud of this, my team was able to win two platinum, global platinum awards for process improvement projects because we adopted the, we are all part of one and the same with the same mission involved mentality. And so that was a turning point. And that's one of the points that I like to make with my clients is you have to accept that you are part of the business. And as part of the business, you are rowing in the same direction or need to be rowing in the same direction. And you need to be a department of finding solutions, a solution and maximizing the mission approach, as opposed to the old approach of being the department of no. You can't be the department of no. That's so 20th century. We have to be well beyond that by now. And so that's kind of my approach to consulting with folks and trying to get them to change that mindset to you are there as a business enhancer and not an enabler. You're not enabling people, but you're enhancing the business through the legal department. Because one of the other core beliefs that I have is there's no such thing as a legal issue. They are all business issues, but some of them have legal aspects to that business issue. But it's a business problem you have to solve, whether it's getting that contract with that new vendor or signing that new customer. It's a business issue, even though there may be legal terms within the contract. So that's another one of my core beliefs that I, I try to make sure that attorneys fully understand. This episode is brought to you by Tonkeen. Tonkeen's process experience platform seamlessly wraps around existing policies and systems, allowing internal service teams to do more with what they already have. Build process experiences that are personalized for each requester and use AI to automate the intake, triage, and resolution of every request. Maximize adoption, compliance, and efficiency with no change management and no code. Yeah, well, I think you've touched on some of the, these next points, but in a previous conversation, you told me improve legal, improve everything. So th I think you addressed some of that, but can you articulate or expound a little more on, on what you mean by that? Sure. And when you put it that way, it sounds a little bit like the TV show Heroes, Save the Cheerleader, Save the World. That's right. Excellent reference for 2005. Yes. <laughs> yeah, showing my geek right there. But it's true because the legal department touches on every other function, every business unit, every subsidiary, every aspect comes to the legal department at some point and the legal department contributes something to them. So if you are able to make the legal department's agreement review process faster, you are improving the cycle time for agreements, which for most companies means that you're going to generating revenue faster. Sometimes it's going to be managing litigation more efficiently to reduce that expense on the bottom line. So using the information to evaluate which cases should be settled early, which cases you fight, different things, you take different approaches to the legal department, but anything that improves in the legal department is going to touch on the other aspects of the company. And, you know, legal, when I first started, was seen as you're nothing but a cost center and a business disruptor because you interfere with business. You take people away from their regular jobs to help you. But if you can find ways to make things more efficient, faster, 
more self-service. For instance, working with clients on ideas of different automated chat bots. Plaintiff's law firms have a lot of these that their clients can go to and the chat bots will answer their questions about the status of their cases and things like that. So if you can develop those things in-house so that people don't have to wait for lawyers to answer their questions, if it's a routine, regularly asked question, then people are getting their questions answered, things are going smoother, and the business is moving without the disruption of waiting for the folks in the legal department to get back to them. Again, I'm, I'm going to look at email as so 20th century. You know, what are better, easier, faster ways to communicate? And with the advancing technologies, we have all sorts of opportunities over the next three to five years to really change the perception of legal from this black hole of information or this bottleneck to wide open and more self-service and opportunities to really help move and enhance the business moving forward. So this is all mindset, right? A lot of this is mindsets. That's obviously super important. So the change management of that is another entire issue. You know, how do you approach that with these people, with the attorneys? And if I recall, you have an anecdote about that from your Boston Scientific days. Well, so I do have one from my Boston Scientific days, and it, it was a solid lesson learned. One of the things that then I initially thought of when I was at Boston Scientific was we needed billing guidelines for our outside counsel and our outside vendors. So guidelines for them to follow. And the general counsel said, okay, fine, then write them. And I did. And then I realized, well, okay, the billing guidelines are great, but getting them and enforcing them is difficult when you have to do everything on paper by hand. So what if we got an electronic billing solution and implemented that? And he said, okay, fine, find a way to make that happen. So one of the ways to make that happen is you have to get an investment. And I went to the CFO, the meeting of the, the finance folks to beg for money. And I presented to them all of the reasons that it made sense for the legal department to get an electronic billing solution to manage outside counsel and outside legal vendors. And the initial response was, no, you, you haven't done it. So what I learned was you have to speak the language of the individuals involved and the groups involved. But it's more than just speaking the language. It's more than just saying the, the words. And incidentally, I had a manager and a director in finance who pulled me aside and taught me how to speak finance and, and the right approach to take so that the next time that this committee was meeting, I was able to present to them. And basically, the response was, why didn't you just say that the first time? Because I, I was speaking lawyer at the time, but it's not just speaking their language. It's also knowing what resonates with them, what is important to them, what factors are. And so with change management and especially change management within a legal department where a lot of the people who go into legal are change resistant. I mean, after all, law school teaches you precedent and following precedent. This is how it is, or this is what the regulation says, or this is what the statute says. So you can't really, you know, go outside of that. And people who are inclined to enjoy that kind of work don't want to be told, okay, we have a process, but now we're going to change it. So you have to go and understand and communicate with those individuals and those groups to figure out what is motivating them to be resistant to the change and really talk to them 
at a personal level and without getting too much into, you know, pop psychology, because I'm not a therapist, even though sometimes it does seem like that's what I'm doing. Their love language from the book about the five love languages, know what will matter to them and then talk to them. Plus, we've been using the phrase change management. I hate that phrase. I hate the phrase change management because almost everybody dislikes change. But what people do like is improvement. If you come to them with an idea and you're the first time you're presenting it is, we are going to improve your life. We are going to make your work process faster. We're going to take something off of your desk. Generally, that's going to work well. That said, the very first time that we did a desk survey at Boston Scientific, a lot of the lawyers were reluctant to tell us what they did all day. Some of them were afraid that we were going to take work away from them that they liked, and others were afraid that we were going to dump work onto them that they didn't like, when really all we were trying to do was really just information gathering. But lawyers are suspicious by nature, and so they're going to want to know, wait a second, what are you up to? And so I learned a lot valuable lessons there. Make sure everyone understands truly what you're trying to get at to begin with, and speak to what resonates with them as far as making improvements, not change, because change is going to be met with, oh, no, I don't like that. But if you're enhancing a procedure or a process, or you're improving the technology going from even something as simple as a Microsoft form to an automated integrated system for your contracts, that's different than saying we're changing systems. Because if you say we're changing systems, people are going to get their guards up and they're going to want to stay away. So it takes a lot of work and a lot of individual work because it's not something that you could just simply say across the board, we're doing this. And then the final point on that, I would say, is I have found that ASAP leadership is crucial to improvement management success. And ASAP is something that I came up with. It is active support and participation leadership. And I was fortunate, again, to have a general counsel and immediate bosses who were very participative in the change or the improvements when we were making them. But I have found in other organizations, when all you get is lip service from the general counsel or the chief legal officer or whoever the boss is who's overseeing it, who just says, yes, that's great, make it happen. It doesn't work as well because you don't get that buy-in. But if you have that person participating in the change or the improvement as well, then it trickles down. Other people see the investment that the boss is making. And so active support and participation from leadership is also vital to improvement management. So in, in closing things out a little bit, what is the best advice you have received in your career? The, the best advice I have ever received was listen more and talk less. And this came right before my first depositions, which were going to be down to psychiatrists down in Louisiana. And the individual who was giving me this advice, actually, the first bit of advice he gave was don't mess it up, but he didn't use mess. And then he said, but seriously, with a smile on his face, listen more and talk less. And as I mentioned, lawyers are taught to extrapolate. And I extrapolated that from the deposition process, meetings, 
conversations, just anything. Listen more and really listen. I don't like the phrase active listening because active listening to me sounds like you are listening to respond. And I like engaged listening. Listen to engage, but to really be there in person, to be fully present in what the person has to say. And I have found that's very valuable. And frankly, being on a podcast is a little uncomfortable for me because I would rather be asking you questions and listening to you than listening to me. But that I would say has served me quite well is listen more and talk less. That's great. And is there anything you want to promote or share about yourself or your company? And if people want to contact you, what's uh, the best way for them to do that? The best way for folks to contact me is probably my email, which is jeff at keylegalops.com. That's keylegalops.com. And I love to consult with legal departments. I've helped law firms in where I get my pleasure, where my joy and love in law right is right now is in helping legal professionals find better ways to do their job, faster ways to do their job, more efficient, more profitable, whatever it is that resonates with them, what their, you know, whatever their goal is, I want to help them do that because there is an epidemic of unhappiness for lawyers, non-lawyers, folks in legal operations who aren't happy because they meet all this change resistance. And I want to help them find ways to enjoy what they started doing and went into. So Jeff at KeyLegalOps.com. And I want to thank you for having me on. I really appreciate this. And I love your podcast. So this was a real joy for me. That's great. Thank you for being here. And I hope editors leave that in. <laughs> we'll plug ourselves. Jeff Cruz, thank you so much for being here and sharing your insights and wisdom. Thank you very much and have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkeen.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Tonkeen community at tonkeen.com slash community.